As a healthcare provider, it's easy to get caught up in your career and service to others without taking time for yourself. But I can't stress enough how important it is to make time for self-care and wellness. So this week on the podcast, I sat down with Dr. Jatu Sinesi. Dr. Sinesi is a board-certified OBGYN, and she describes herself as a recovering pathological altruist. She actually retired from clinical practice at the age of 35 in an attempt to find balance between maintaining her own sense of well-being and living a life of service. Since then, she's gone on to become a certified success coach and founded her own business, Essence of Strength, where she helps other healthcare providers find fulfillment both in and outside of the clinical setting. Welcome to the White Coat Academy podcast, your source for all things personal and professional development as a new healthcare provider. Join me, Dr. Emily Funk Reynolds, as we navigate the challenges young doctors face in treating patients today and work to better ourselves beyond our clinical care. Hi, everyone. We have another great guest for you this week. I am joined today by Dr. Jatu Sinesi. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to chat with you today. Yeah, so your focus is kind of on helping doctors to feel fulfilled both personally and professionally, which we all know can be difficult. Um, But what are some of kind of the most common problems that you see doctors experiencing maybe a few years into their career? Yeah. So I think about it. So I mainly, I primarily work with early career physicians. I work with all kinds of physicians that are in place of transition. However, when I think about people earlier in their career, and I've been super introspective and nostalgic this week because it's 20 years since I graduated from medical school. And I was just thinking Mm. about like, what are the things that would have been useful to know back then that could have made things a little bit different. And I think that when you're in medical school or any kind of professional or graduate school, people are are very specific and intentional about making sure you know the things you need to know in order to take care of your patients. And no one, including yourself, is usually as intentional about making sure you know the things you need to know about being satisfied in your life and in your career and being well as you take care of all those things. So when I think about what most people are missing, it's the things that they really need to know about themselves and about their lives to be intentional about that sense of well-being and that sense of um, satisfaction in their lives. Specifically, I was when I was thinking about it, I was thinking there's probably four things that we kind of would be really useful to think about in those first year to two years out of um, training. And it's um, knowing what well-being actually looks like and feels like for yourself. I think that we think that we know what well is. And sometimes we, I'll speak for myself, you achieve the things that you think are well, and you don't actually have that feeling of wellness. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, you know, you make a good salary, you're, you eat well, you're fit, you have really cute clothes and shoes and you go on great vacations. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's, that is well-being. That is what I was going for when I was going through training. And then I had all those things and I didn't really have that sense of, that sense of well-being and satisfaction that I wanted in my life. So I think that figuring out what that truly looks like for you and what really is involved in that and what the being part is and not just the doing part of um, being well, 
Um, and that kind of leads into knowing what your priorities are, which is your own actual priorities and not simply the expectations of you from other people. I think that we tend to be really good at, because we have all those tests and all that intention that other people set for us, we get into what I like to call pageant mode, where about every three to four years, just throw on a suit, you go around and you say, please accept me into your program, whether it's a, <laughs> a school, a residency program, a job, you're just like, pick me, pick me. And you get into that mindset of thinking, okay, what do other people expect me to be like? And sometimes we conflate other people's expectations of ourselves with our actual priorities. And sometimes they can overlap, but I think sometimes we get thinking about other people's priorities. So knowing actually what your true priorities are once you get to this point in your life where you were able to set them. Um, and then kind of knowing who your support crew is. I think, again, that's another thing where, especially when you're going to different programs and different schools all the time, you're kind of, you find the people where you are who will work for you in that situation. And sometimes once you get out, maybe your needs in terms of support are different. Who are the people who are actually gonna support that sense of well-being that I know I need for my life? Who are the people who are gonna support me doing the things that I need to do on a regular basis? So kind of knowing those things about yourself. And last and absolutely not least, actually probably the most important is knowing how and when to say no. Again, being in pageant mode, you're very much in the let, let me fit in, let me say yes, let me do all the things. And so you have to get to a point where you create the boundaries where you say, I know what is a no for me. Like I know what is always gonna be a no for me. That's the first thing. If you know it's always a no, it makes it a little bit easier to honor your priorities. And it makes it a little bit easier for you to say no when some things are maybe it's a yes, sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no. When you get to the point of knowing what's always a no, these are the things that just kind of lay the groundwork for just designing and building the life you want. I think sometimes we start trying to build these lives that we want without laying the groundwork of knowing ourselves and knowing what we want for our lives. I'm sorry, that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, that was great, though. I mean, I think you touched on a lot of really important things, and I would definitely love to, like, explore some of that further. Um, one of the main things that I think you kind of pointed out is that we're kind of conditioned almost to just like get to the next achievement or do what is expected of us. Cause like you said, you know, every three to four years, it's another milestone and you're constantly looking for acceptance and trying to keep up with your peers. Um, so what other things maybe about doctor lifestyle, even after school lends us to be kind of put in this bad pattern or perpetuates that almost idea of just like constantly trying to keep up? Well, I mean, definitely medical professional, this career selects for high achievers. I used to say overachievers that tended to offend my colleagues. So I say high achievers now, but we like to do the things and get all the accomplishments. So we're once all the testing and all that is over, we still are looking for that kind of accomplishment piece. And I think that we tend to believe that achieving all the things will automatically bring this sense of satisfaction and well-being. I remember I had a, jo I have a joke with one of my um, best friends from residency, and we were like, if life was a standardized test, we would be rocking it because we like know <laughs> how to do that. 
And I think that we approach life as though it is a standardized test. There needs to be intention. However, it's not that someone else is going to like give you a check mark. We like, it's another interesting thing about people with lots of degrees. We don't like to be told what to do. However, we like to be told we're, what we're doing is right. <laughs> and I think looking for that validation, which is totally normal and I absolutely get it, recognizing, okay, when, how that is helpful to you and as opposed to letting that kind waiting for that validation to be the thing that keeps you going forward. So again, it kind of goes back to knowing yourself and being comfortable enough in your own skin to be confident with the decisions you make for yourself. And I think kind of one of the things that we touched on a bit is that you're always kind of just striving and going for the next thing that oftentimes we don't even really realize that we're not actually that fulfilled or, you know, that our own health might be suffering, um, whether that's physical health or mental health. So what are some kind of clues for yourself to know that maybe you're kind of heading down not the best path? Um, I think that they're kind of three things that need to be kind of going back to that whole state of being thing, three things that need to exist together in order for you to maintain your state of well-being. And that's able to be truthful with yourself while maintaining a sense of hope and while being able to create a sense a space for joy in your life. I think that one of the one of the positives about the fact that there's kind of so much transition and training is that there is a sense of hopefulness because you're always like, even if I don't like this rotation, I'm going to be off it within six to eight weeks. So there's like mm-hmm. that hopefulness that the next step is going to be better. Or maybe I don't like this part of training, but when I get out, I'm going to like it. So I think there's that sense of hopefulness. I think sometimes we get to a point when we're maybe out of training where there isn't a change that's about to come. So we are maybe not as truthful with ourselves in order to maintain that hope. And if that hope is based on something that's not true, then it's not gonna be sustainable. Similarly, we are what we tend to be what I like to call pathological altruists, where we wanna help people all the time. And so we get to the point where we default to always saying yes to other people, always putting other people's needs ahead of ourselves. And we get to the point of constantly deferring our own sense of joy. And it's not like you have to have a dance party every day. Well, you could have a dance party every day. It's not like you have to, but it doesn't have to be something big. However, being intentional about creating space for joy every single day, I think needs to be part of it. I can speak for myself. I was always pretty good at being truthful and being hopeful. I think that I was for a long time, really kind of like, I'll make space for being joyful every day when I get past this thing. And I think if you can't figure out a way to, create joy in your current circumstance, that's, that's a sign that's, it doesn't have to, like I said, be like hugely exciting, but if you cannot figure out how to find something, and sometimes we think we need to seek joy. Sometimes you need to be intentional about creating space for joy make a time in your schedule where, again, maybe you do have the dance party, you go for a walk, something on a regular basis. One of the things that makes me a little bit sad is I see sometimes people when they've been in medicine for a while, they get so dug down deep into the truthful and maybe the sad and disappointing parts of the truthful that they lose hope. And so then again, you're going to not maintain that sense of well-being. So being able to be truthful while maintaining a sense of hope and believing things that maybe you don't love can improve and be better while 
regardless of how awesome or not awesome your current circumstances are, being able to create space for joy, whether it's spending time with your family, exercising. I mean, I mentioned at the beginning how I like did all these things and I thought that would be well-being for me. And for me, it was more, those were kind of rescue activities as opposed to grounding activities. So having grounding activities that bring you joy every day. So being able to do all three of those things, I think if you realize you aren't able to do one of those three while you're doing the other two, that can usually be a sign. Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely been more of a push in the healthcare world um, in recent years towards, you know, keeping doctors, you know, mentally okay. And there's been more of a push to eliminate burnout. Um, and pe- more people are talking about self-care than ever before, which is great. But I feel like there is still somewhat of a disconnect in what that actually means. Like, you know, we know we need to eat right, exercise and sleep well, which is difficult given our schedules. But I think you touched on an important piece of that, which is having kind of like tough conversations with yourself about what you're actually feeling and what your goals might be. Um, So I really like that you kind of pointed that out. Like you mentioned taking care of your physical health um, briefly, but I think it's really much more than that. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I always like to think of it in terms of any particular kind of outcome that you want. It's about looking at it almost like with bifocals. Look at it. What are the short term things you need to do? to achieve your long-term goal. An important part is having flexibility in there. I think sometimes, let's say somebody's training for a marathon, let's say, you're like, I'm gonna run whatever many miles every single day. And sometimes there's a day where you had a really rough night, you didn't really sleep, and this might just be the day where you don't get your long run in. And we we beat ourselves up about like, but I said I was gonna do this thing. And instead of taking a step back and being, okay, this marathon is maybe, three months away. If I do this long run, you know, maybe don't do this long run today. It might throw off my schedule a little bit, but getting the rest that I need, sitting, sleeping, having a health, you know, a nice meal in the long run is still going to serve the the overall purpose. And in this moment is what I need for myself. So I think giving ourselves some grace is another thing we're not awesome at. As um, healthcare providers, we are really good at taking care of other people. We are really hard on ourselves a lot of times. We know, you know, prevention is always much easier than if you develop a disease and then trying to treat it. So if you think about, you know, yourself and your own well-being the same way, what are the main kind of like preventative strategies to prevent yourself from feeling dissatisfied in the future or burnt out? again, going back to that whole intention thing is actually sitting and thinking about it. Kind of like you were saying earlier, where you just get caught up in the doing and don't even think about, oh, is this really giving me the outcome that I want? Is this really a sense of well-being? We, people often are not great about actually taking space on a regular basis and just kind of assessing the state of their lives. And some of that I think is on purpose because you are worried that it's going to be information that you're not super excited about. So you just kind of push push it off. So I think I'm a big fan of journaling. 
Some people don't love it. I literally have given clients um, journals and they're like, oh yeah, I gave that to my little cousin. I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, but do whatever it takes, whatever works for you to sit and kind of do a regular assessment of kind of how are things going? Some people do it monthly. Some people do it quarterly. I'm a big fan of um, structure. So I like to like look at the different areas of my life and say, okay, how how is that going? Kind of going back to the priority piece. Okay, which, which of these areas is top priority for me in this period of time in my life? What am I doing to achieve the goals and the outcomes that I want in those priority areas? So just regularly assessing, that's one thing. As much as you can do the basic things that are required for health in life, you know, <laughs> eating enough, <laughs> eating, eating nourishing food. We get calories in, especially in training. They might not be the most nourishing calories, but actually, and paying attention to how food makes you feel as much as you can. I think sometimes people will just eat the food. And then when you actually sit and think like, oh, when I eat that, I kind of feel terrible. So paying attention. So getting enough nourishing food drinking enough water and getting enough sleep. Like literally, if you just do those three things, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I have a friend who it's so hilarious. She like really just discovered the joy of sleep in her forties. And she's just like, when she has a good night, she's like, it's amazing. I was like, right. <laughs> so yeah. it's just doing those basic things. And if you make space for those things, you tend to have a little bit more space also to just kind of sit and reflect on what you need to do. And again, think about what are my priorities in this time and what are my desired outcomes in this period of time? Because it is different for every different person because everyone's circumstance and experiences are different. Yeah, and I think for you, it ended up that maybe traditional private practice medicine wasn't really what was best for you. So, I mean, without getting too much into your own personal journey, what are kind of some indications that maybe the traditional path for clinical medicine or practice is not the best situation for you? Um, again, I like to start with the kind of big picture and starting with, okay, the vision of what you actually want your life to look like in terms of how your, how your work impacts your life inside and outside of work and figuring out is this reasonably possible while working in a traditional um, environment? And I definitely think there are more options and there are different ways to approach what we call traditional medicine. I have found that a lot of the clinicians that I know who enjoy clinical practice the most do not see patients five days a week. So they mm -hmm. still are in what consider clinical practice. However, they maybe do some administrative work. They maybe are locum tenens physici physicians, so kind of like, you know, the temp doctors. They don't see patients in this kind of grind them out um, patient schedule five days a week. And that allows space for them to still enjoy practice and then maybe do something different. So figuring out, okay, I maybe I do maybe you just, you do want to still see patients. You don't want to leave clinical medicine. Figuring out what are the different ways that are available to make that happen. But like if you feel like maintaining this sense of well-being, maintaining a sense of peace and joy in my life is not compatible with clinical medicine, 
then think about all the different ways, or maybe not even clinical medicine, just the place where you are right now. Think of the different ways that, the, the things that have to change to make that work for you. Figure out, is that possible where you are? Could that be possible in a different practice? Could it be possible in a different practice style? I think another thing too, is especially when we're early in our careers, you know, you want to continue to grow and progress and inevitably some parts of that won't be the most glamorous or, you know, you'll encounter challenges along the way. So how do you kind of balance what's like a healthy challenge and a growing experience versus what might be detrimental to your mental or physical health? I think it depends on the goal. Let's say, I don't even know if this isn't much a desire anymore, but when I came out before, like I want to be a partner in a practice and let's you think, okay, I need to, I need to be a high revenue earner. I need to see a lot of patients. I need to be doing all this for a certain period of time in order to be able to um, buy into the practice. And then maybe I can adjust my schedule because my income isn't necessary, isn't going to be fully associated with how many patients I see. If you, Kind of, I feel like if you know that there's an end game and there's an end point to this grinding that you have to do, that's one thing. If you feel like I'm just going to have to grind like this until I retire, that may be time to pause and think, what do I need to do differently? Again, it's about what are my priorities in this moment? And if this is the thing that I want to do and this is the thing that's really important to me and you're willing to make some things be on the back burner, not not important, just not the top priority at this time. If just be ready to accept the consequences of the things that you maybe have put as a lesser priority. So I think again, it all comes down to the individual person and knowing what is important for you. Because there, I mean, just the reality of healthcare is you're not going to feel awesome every single day. That's yeah. like that will happen. So recognizing <laughs> how many of those less than awesome days are tolerable for you. And also kind of that defined endpoint, right? Because yes. it's natural to have phases of life, but as long as you see kind of the way out or the future path, exactly. then it's an okay place to be for the short term. Yes, as long yeah. I I'm a big fan of having a plan and holding it loosely. So have a okay and again, reassessing on a regular basis, like, okay, if I want to do this, we're going to do this for this period of time. If this seems like it's going in the right direction, then continue with that. That seems to be moving me to where I want to be. If it's not, what do I need to tweak? Where might I need to pivot? So again, always just like reassessing. Don't just say, well, I thought I would be here by this time, but if I just keep grinding, it's going to get there. Even though you haven't made any progress, you might need to like take a step back and be like, okay, is this really going to do what I think it's going to do? Okay, and I think I might know what your answer is going to be for this question, but um, I feel like, you know, at least when we are in school and in residency, people kind of almost take pride in their sacrifices or that, like, they've been up all night and um, that they're kind of putting themselves last. So how do you kind of shift that mindset to develop into a more sustainable lifestyle? So one of the things I encourage folks, if at all possible, is to start 
switching that mindset while you're in training. You might not be able to do all the things that you want to do every day and all the things that completely support your sense of well-being. However, starting to do the things, going back to that whole concept of just like deferring joy and deferring the things that work for you. you. When you do it for a long enough time, it becomes your habit and you get out and that's just kind of your standard state of being. I always say like not being able to sleep, to work, being able to work with very little sleep or not enough food is a superpower. It is great that you know how to do it. However, it's not a thing you necessarily want to do every day. If you've watched any of the Marvel movies, they don't use all of their superpowers all the time. They bust them out when necessary. So realize (laughs) that it's a superpower and that's not necessarily what you, that's not what you want to have as your baseline state of being. So I always say like, pick one thing. Let's say you have five things. You're like, if I do all these all the time, I feel great, but I know that I can't do them on a regular basis. Pick one, maybe the highest yield one to start doing on a regular basis and then start adding more things in and recognizing that you can still get all the stuff done that you thought you needed to not sleep to do. Yeah, I love that that Marvel analogy. I'm going <laughs> to use that one. <laughs> so, okay, so it kind of seems like it comes down to being a little bit, you know, introspective and real with yourself about what your goals are, what you can reasonably achieve, and then also kind of taking some initiative on your own part to actively make time for yourself. Correct. Again, it's all about just being intentional. If you think about everything you've done to get all the degrees you had, you had to be intentional. Whether you wanted to be or not, because the thing is with the degrees, there was somebody else forcing you to be intentional, even if you wanted to slack off. And so in your regular life, you were generally the person maybe the only, definitely the main person kind of keeping you on task. So, and that's where actually having an accountability partner can be helpful. Some people, some people will have a spouse or a partner who is their accountability partner. Some people realize that their spouse or partner is not a great accountability partner. (laughs) Um, So having someone else in your life who isn't necessarily like, you know, hounding you. And that's where picking an accountability partner can be really important is recognizing someone who isn't stressing you out (laughs) and it's supporting you and achieving your goals. Sometimes that can be helpful too, because we do really well with homework. We like first, we like to know that because we like to help other people when we know that somebody else is going to ask us, we're really better at doing things. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good point too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I think you've given us a lot of really great things to think about. Um, If listeners want to hear more from you, where can they go? Um, Probably the best way to reach me is at my website, essenceofstrength.com. I um, have a contact page. You can reach out to me there. Um, I do have a subscriber list where I send out an uh, email newsletter every month, just kind of talking about uh, self-care and satisfaction um, ideas and exercises. And then there's some free resources there. Um, And I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Essence of Strength. That's probably the social media platform where it's best. I'm most active actually these days. So yeah. Awesome. I will link all of that for everybody in the show notes. And thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time. I'm so happy to bring people like Dr. Sinesi on the White Code Academy podcast because I feel like self-care is something that is super, super important. And 
our practice in school and residency doesn't necessarily lend itself towards the greatest level of self-care. So I think we really, as doctors early on in our careers, need to make a conscious effort to make ourselves a priority. And I hope my conversation today with Dr. Sinesi was a good reminder of that, um, as well as providing you guys with some helpful ways to set yourself up for success in the future. So if you've made it to the end of the podcast, you know what I'm going to say next. Please, if you are enjoying it, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and share it with your friends so that we can help as many young doctors as possible. All right, guys, catch you all next week. Uh, uh.